everyone, and welcome back to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, Happy New Year. How are you doing today? Well, hey there, Sir Alan of the Roundtable. My gosh, Happy New Year, and welcome to 2023. Woo! Tell you what, I, I will not personally uh, miss 2022. So how about you? Oh, no, that's a that's a dumpster fire and a half. I'm glad to get off my uh, the, the truck of life, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, you know, it strikes me that it's been a while since we've recorded. I think it's been almost a month at this point. I think you're right. I, there were a lot of obstacles that we faced over the last few weeks. Well, absolutely. I think the main culprits have been uh, holiday obligations, yeah. you know, like eating lots of food and stuff. Oh, yeah. And of course, you know, ugh, COVID. Yeah. It's, COVID has run rampant through all of us here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters. Well, you know, Mark, I'm pretty sure uh, that patient zero was the man, the myth, yeah. the legend yeah. himself, Ron Swanson. I think I think you're right. Remember when he came in sometime in early December and he did that commercial for St. Elmo's yep. Steakhouse? Yep. Huh? I remember it well. Yeah. yeah there was, and then he, you know, we were talking to him about stuff in his mustache. I remember uh -huh. all that. Yeah. 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 Uh, but you know what? Wasn't he also wearing a fur coat and shivering? <laughs> Should, should that have been our tip off? That should have been our tip. And then all of us here ended up getting it. It's me and Constantine and Harvey. Well, not you, I guess, because yeah. you had it last summer. I, I had it last summer after my lucky, trip to LA. Yeah. Lucky yeah. so and so. <laughs> and, and the homeland, Pasadena, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, yeah, I guess I'm lucky. <laughs> we'll call it that. No, not lucky. You're still so and so. Yeah. Yeah. And did you hear the New Year's Day message? From uh, Ron Swanson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sure did. He even mentioned on his New Year's Day message how everyone at his geolocation undisclosed cabin had it. Yeah. It sounds like uh, Diane and the kids uh, shook it off a little more quickly than he did, though. I believe it, actually. It was the same at my house. Yeah, really? Yeah. I like to think of it as I absorbed all the COVID particles, you know, so everyone else didn't have to deal with them. That's wow. Yeah. Think. So you're kind of a special kind of crazy, aren't you? Um, what's that? <laughs> Nothing, Mark. Hey, Mark, you know what? Why don't we get into today's episode? Do it to it, my dude. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Rock that scuba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness oh. gracious. Well, hey, everybody. We're here today to talk about season five, episode 11. Yeah, we're almost halfway through this season. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, women and garbage. Women and garbage indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of weird, Mark. It's It's been a minute since we've uh, done one of these. Yeah. So uh, everyone at home, you know, all of our viewers at home, yeah. please forgive any missteps today that Mark has. Yeah. I I'm, mean, uh, that we have. I'm going to misstep all over the place. <laughs> believe it. I believe it. Yeah, me too. Well, Mark, this episode first aired on January 24th of 2013. Mm -hmm. This was the second episode of 2013. Of the new year of at that time. Of the new year. Yeah, this is our first episode of 2023, 10 years later. Right. Now we're kind of following in sync here now. They had a runtime of 21 minutes and 33 seconds. Our director was the great Norm Hiscock. Mm. This was the one and only episode of Parks and Rec that he directed. Really? Is yep. that right? Yep. A lot of writing, of course. Uh, you know, I think 10 or 12 episodes, something like that. I actually normally have that written down in front of me. And my, uh, damn it, Constantine. Uh, but anyway, no. You can't count on that guy I know, for I anything. I can't count on him for Is nothing. that true that you think he just wanted to try his hand at it? Actually, Mark, 
It's funny you ask. I, uh-huh. I know the story behind it. You do? You know why? Uh-huh. I reached out to Norm. Wow. And like always, I love Norm. He's, he's your a great buddy. guy. He's our buddy. He's. A, he, I'd like to think he's our buddy. He's I like certainly to think he's very nice to He's us. very nice. Yeah, he's yeah. very nice to us. So you reached out to him. I reached out to him and he gave me a little bit of backstory, which I'll share probably during the scoring segment. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, or maybe if as it comes up organically throughout that. Well done. And this episode was written by the late, great Harris Whittles, of course. Very, 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 very funny, funny guy. guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Greatly missed and uh, sadly passed away in 2015. Right. So, but, uh, and Norm mentioned a little bit about his time with Harris and a little bit of the repartee behind the scenes that they had on this episode and a few others. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, so very cool. cool. Yeah. Glad Norm was able to share with us. This Amen. Week. Yeah. Well, Mark, hey, why don't we get into our synopsises? I think that's what we call them. I that, know it's that is a correct use. I remember that much. Nicely done. Thank you. Nicely done. The English degree is paying off. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. Again, don't patronize me. <laughs> oh, let's not start the year off that way. No, we don't want to do it. That I mean, way. give it five minutes and then get right back into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. So, I, you, this is the this is the part, ladies and gentlemen, where we break up the stories into as many shards as possible because I know Alan likes that. This is actually kind of an interesting one because I I could have gone for really, but I decided that I would not on account of you would give me the look you're giving me yeah. right now. And so I <laughs> I did three. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the right. right that's the right answer. Okay. Yeah. Um, now there was arguably I'll call it a half story that I don't feel like ever really really congealed into its own mass. When we get to it, tell me what you're talking about. Because honestly, I don't remember which I, I'm not connecting with what you're saying. Usually oh. I know what you're going to say. All right. Maybe it's because I'm tired this morning. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and in fairness, we had a few technical issues as we got back into the studio. Yeah. yeah, our equipment all had COVID too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I know. Terrible. This is a disaster here. Awful. Anyway, so okay. So I'll let, let's start with the basics here, man. Yeah, uh, sure. So the A story as I uh, as I call it there, because it's the first one. And my story, the title is The Search for Trashy Women. <laughs> hey. I actually like that. Constantine, what the hell? This is the family show. I thought you edited it. All right. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Going, moving oh, on. Oh, he wrote it. That explains why it's funny. No, I wrote it. He just, he usually, like, I, <laughs> I use him to make sure that I don't say dumb oh. stuff. Oh, really? That didn't work that this time, so. Okay. <laughs> A stories. Realizing there is a criminal lack of women in the government, Leslie decides it's time to do something about it. She meets with Chris and he wholeheartedly agrees and he arranges a meeting to discuss a course of action. During the meeting, Leslie is horrified when she realizes not a single department sent a female representative for crying out loud. Getting down to business, Leslie points out the number one offender of gender inequality is the sanitation department, who acknowledges there are no female garbage collectors, but points out the job is, Alan, is too physically demanding for the average women. Well, sure. Um, Leslie considers this a challenge, as well she should. Leslie and April gear up and work a route for the day, and they start off well, make good time. However, just as they're becoming confident, they end up getting an unscheduled request. What will happen? Why is April so gung-ho to help Leslie? <laughs> what is the unscheduled request? Can Leslie and April keep up their momentum? Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. I, I went, but with my titles, Mark, I went with movie themes again. Kind of I love it. Standby, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, that movie with uh, Tom Hanks and uh, that Leonardo DiCaprio kid, you know. Oh, ca- him. Catch Me If You Can. Oh, yeah. Mine's called uh, Trash Me If You Can. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's, that's it's that's all pretty right. good. It's a kind of a phone end, but not really. 
Constantine, you're supposed to tell me when Alan does better than I do. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the B story. Yeah, the B story. The B story I have is entitled <clears throat> Move Over, Doc McStuffins. <laughs> nothing all right so <laughs> back at the park i was actually kind of proud of that it's a little time delay on that one for me like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so back at the parks department we see ron with both of diane's kids zoe and ivy in his office and he has apparently agreed to babysit them for the day and it appears to be a little maybe over his head uh mm. ron even looks to ann for help but she is very awkward and apparently not real good with the kids you know <laughs> so at the day's end diane asks ron to babysit again the next day and while ron puts on a brave smile he is clearly worn ragged and that's why shortly into day two he once again reluctantly recruits Anne's help, despite her seeming to have no connection with the children. Surprisingly, Anne starts to have some success with Zoe and Ivy when she whips out her nurse's kit and they all play doctor with Brilliant. stuffed animals. See the Doc McStuffins thing? Okay. I, I got it, yeah. <clears throat> How will this turn out? Does Anne continue to have success with the girls? Can Ron survive a second day of babysitting? Will the stuffed animals all survive surgery? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Very nice job. Yeah. My, my movie title for the B story, Mark, was Don't Tell Ron the Babysitter's Dead. Very nice. Yeah. That, okay. that, of course, refers to the the great uh, Christina Applegate vehicle. Yeah. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I know. It yeah. even almost kind of sort of rhymes. It's kind of weird. That's brilliant. It's brilliant. Constantine, I told you when he does better than me, let me know. <laughs> Tell us about the C story, Mark. All right, C story. C story, um, uh, I entitled, How to Really Be a Baller. Nice. Wanting to do everything in his power to bring in more business for Rent-A-Swag, Tom recruits Andy and Ben to teach him everything they know about basketball, since it seems to be all the kids, i.e. his clients, are talking about these days. To this end, they get on the court where Andy and Ben start with the basics. However, it becomes very clear that Tom is hopeless. <laughs> After some uh, questionable uh, training, uh, Tom gets a little confident there and decides that it would be a great idea to challenge a bunch of preteens to a basketball game. What will happen? Can Tom, Ben, and Andy make a good showing with the preteens or will they be humiliated? Does Tom ever learn to do basketball <laughs> will any of this result in more business for rent a swag hang in there true believers only time will tell dot 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 nice job mark uh to cap it off my c story movie title is uh white men can't jump and neither can tom <laughs> <laughs> very nice thank you so i was kind of proud of that one yeah tom is not very good at the basketballs no. No, he is not. He tries. <laughs> he does try, though. You got to give him an A forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, how about your AKA for this week? Uh, of course, we'll remind our viewers at yeah. home. Oh, yeah. NBC, terrible on the title. No, they suck right? on ice. Yeah, this one's a women in garbage. Yeah. I mean, actually, I kind of like this one. But most weeks I do not. Right. <laughs> so we we try to help them out a little. What'd you come up with? And we used to do several AKAs. And we yeah, realized it's just you know, so much of a good thing. We, we, we tend to overdo it occasionally. We tend to overdo it a little it's bit. It's going to shock so, some of so our longtime viewers. We're going <laughs> to do one AKA. So my AKA, Alan, is from uh, the A story. It's from April. And it's when Chris finally does pull together the com the meeting for the commission for gender equality. And apparently no one sent uh, the women uh, representatives. <laughs> yeah. And April says, 
Wow, Chris, your gender equality commission is a real sausage fest. <laughs> nice job. How about you? Um, I, I did one AKA per storyline. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help it. It's it's because we were off for so long, I forgot that we don't do that anymore. So I'll pick one. You are scofflaw is what you are. What'd you pick? <laughs> actually, I think one of the funniest lines is actually from the sea story. Uh-huh. When Tom says... Um, <laughs> Did I do basketball? Yeah, that's pretty funny. It's, that's strong. Yeah. That's that, that's pretty strong. Got to give props for that one. Well, hey, Mark, let's get into our episode breakdown and get this thing going. All right, man. Let's do it to it, my dude. So we uh, we we start off with the cold open, a very good place to start. This is a somewhat, I'd say, maybe beefy uh, cold open. It's almost two minutes, not quite. I'd say it's plot relevant. And we, uh, we start off in good old Pawnee in a city hall conference room where Leslie and April and Donna are meeting with Paula Hork, who 40 years ago became Pawnee's very first female city councilor. Nice. Hey, Constantine, buddy, start us off right by playing the cold open. Thank you, sir. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, ladies. I didn't think anybody really cared about my time on the city council. Oh, we do. I mean, you were such an inspiration. Still going strong at 82. (laughs) How old is that handkerchief? Well, it's not a handkerchief, it's a receipt. (laughs) Paula Hork was Pawnee's first female city councilor 40 years ago, and she was a huge inspiration to me. Women have come a long way in Pawnee, but we still have quite a ways to go. I mean, technically, I'm not allowed to reserve this conference room without my husband or father father's signature. (laughs) Government was a real boys club back in the 70s. They smoked their cigars, they snapped my bra, wore mirrors on their shoes to look up my skirt. Well, I'm happy to report that it is now a pervert-free people's club. Well, except for Councilman Dexhart, who's a self-described pervert. That's true. Yeah, and didn't Milton try to kiss you? Well, yeah, things aren't perfect. All the other councilmen used to keep a calendar of my menstrual cycle. Are you kidding me? That is horrible. They don't do that to me. Do they do that to me? I once tried to start a commission to try to get more jobs for women in city government, and they dismissed me, saying that it was because it was just my time of the month. (laughs) Admittedly, they were right, because of their calendar. And pigs, all of them. You know what, I'm gonna get that commission going, because this inequality has gone on long enough. You know what, I think men are better than women. She's kidding. No, I'm not. They provide for us, and we must obey them because they are our masters. April, stop it. (laughs) Wesley, you'll never land a bow with that domineering tone. (laughs) We must always walk behind the men. (laughs) Wow. I think April just set uh, gender equality back, uh, I don't know, 100 years. Oh, at least. (laughs) And enjoyed doing it. But it's kind of funny. It is kind of funny, yeah. Mark, from there, we open up the main episode in, in the office formerly known as Ron's, which is now apparently currently acting as some sort of a princess cage match location. That's a good description yeah, for it. I, I really so. like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we see Diane's two daughters, Zoe and Ivy, in Ron's office with him as he is uh, watching them. Um, <laughs> they are laughing, screaming, chanting, hitting him playfully with dolls, making fun of his mustache uh, while well, he kind of endures it with weary, stoic perseverance. Uh, Apparently, Zoe and Ivy are on school break, so their normal sitter is out of town, and Diane asked Ron to watch them while she's at work. Um, Anne enters Ron's office to drop off something and kind of looks around in confusion at all this craziness and asks, what what is is happening right now? 
Ron introduces the girl to Anne, I think hoping that she will distract them in some way. But unfortunately, Anne proves to be awkward and weird and ends up <laughs> running out of the room. In a moment I love, Jerry enters oh shortly thereafter. Hi, girls. Is immediately shut down by the girls in a great PBJ moment where they just look at him and go, no. no. <laughs> love it. I love it, too. Ivy's my favorite uh, of the two, I think, for that very reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Zoe's cute, but uh, Ivy just shut down Jerry. And he's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he, he was kind of expecting it. Right, right. The, the other thing I loved about this scene was, and I had to like listen to it a couple of times, was the little chant they're doing at the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mustache, dumb, dumb. <laughs> yeah, let's actually play that clip. I love that. Hello. <laughs> uh, so anyway, got to love the girls. I do. Well, meanwhile, Mark, over in the city manager's office, Chris mm. is reviewing Leslie's idea to have an equal gender employment commission. And we get an academic lesson on labeling. That is correct. We Leslie's in Chris's office and, and meeting with him about said uh, equal gender employment commission. Chris loves the idea and plans to have a meeting later that day with two representatives from each department. In addition, Chris tells Leslie, half story I was mentioning, that he's going to ask Shauna Mulway Tweep to write an article about it for the Pony Journal. And he confides in Leslie while he's saying this, that they've been, you know, going out uh, kind of, but he's not really sure what they are, like what label uh, their relationship should have or would have. Wasn't this the one where he said that he was part of a group hang and he just did not understand that? Yeah. Kids these days. Kids these days. Yeah. Don't understand yeah. it. Very yeah. confusing. He's like about to yell, get off his lawn, I think at this point, <laughs> which we can relate to a little. Oh my sadly. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can. Sure. <laughs> well, Mark, rounding out our trio of opening scenes, we learn that some promises are clearly too good to be true, and that other promises are not only true, but they taste like the rainbow. Oh, you just—you're not we're just whistling Dixie there. Well, in this scene, we see uh, we see Tom in his office, and we see Ben energetically enter Tom's office, and he stops and he looks around. At, this is a great scene. Hey, Constantine, press the button, sir. Thanks. Okay, I know this text you sent me was a lie and Michael Stipe is not actually here, correct? Correct. That was a lie. Yeah, no, I knew it was. I just couldn't live with myself if it had been true. And that's why I said it. Where's free Skittles? Here you go, buddy. <laughs> Aw, he gets his thing? Whole thing. Right in his mouth. Listen, I need you two to teach me everything you know about basketball. Rent a swag is doing really well. I'm on track to turn a profit in my third month. Wow. One problem. All the kids that shop in the store are basketball crazy. It's all they talk about. I need to be able to smooth them. And I can't keep referring to basketball players as Khloe Kardashian's husband <laughs> and his friends. Yep. You're just the man to help me out. One jock, one geek who loves stats. I'll give you a few minutes to cancel the rest of your plans for the day. No need. <laughs> my only plan was to buy Skittles. No, that works. <laughs> that worked out fine. Yeah. Oh, lucky him. Well, no, Alan, it seems like Tom is continuing to be, you know, heaven forbid, grown up Tom. Yeah, I, I kind, kind of, of thought 
he's showing up in this episode. We'll yeah. see if it stays true, but well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm happy to always, always happy to see Grown Up Tom. Me too. Yeah. Well, a bit later, back at the city council chambers, we get a chance to check in on the sausage fest. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> the commission meeting as it begins to kick off. No, you had it right. Um, so the, the, the commission on gender equality meeting is about to start. And we see uh, uh, Leslie and Chris and April are at the front of the room. And as you mentioned, you know, ergo the sausage vest uh, comment, uh, it appears there are no women in the audience. Not a single all. one. Not a single one at all. Um, and Leslie addresses this with this fact. But, you know, now <clears throat> here's the Councilman Milton show. Councilman Milton A protests to Leslie that a woman is standing right next to him uh, to her. I mean, it turns out it was just a very beautiful man. It was Chris <laughs> uh, B. <laughs> He thanks Leslie for setting it up and getting the snacks ready. But, you know, they'll, we'll take it from here. <laughs> C gets the crowd to applaud for the girl for, you know, for the snacks. For the snacks, yeah. And then announces that she needs to leave now and get more snacks. <laughs> Alan, this is not going well. No, it's not. Uh, and she goes, Leslie gets upset and she says, yeah. no, I don't. This is my commission. And he says, ouch, why so ornery? It's and he not the seventh. He takes out a pocket calendar and looks at it. And she's like, uh-oh. <laughs> so apparently they are tracking her menstrual mm -hmm. cycle. Wow. Well, I hope she's a regular just to screw with him personally. I would teach him. <laughs> just saying. I have nothing else to add. <laughs> well, thank you. Leave me alone on this island. Yep. Yep. Well, Mark, back in Ron's office, we check in on potential stepdaddy daycare and learn a little bit about the Lagavulin to child ratio necessary to operate such an establishment. I've I've seen the graph of that. It's, <laughs> it's a, pretty, it's, it's like straight up, isn't it's it? It's frightening. Yeah. yeah. So we see Ron at this point with, again, Zoe and Ivy in his office and Ron is sitting on the floor, hair looking very disheveled with his legs straight out to either side, at which point we see both girls are painting his shoes red. Wow. Ron looks worn the heck out. Diane arrives to pick up the girls and she asks Ron how things went. And, you know, he smiles bravely and tells her, hey, they, they couldn't have been better. We had a wonderful time. Diane tells Ron she's glad to hear that on account of her sitter is still out of town. And, oh. and could you please, pretty please, with sugar on top, take them again uh, tomorrow? Now, to his credit, Ron doesn't hesitate, saying, of course, yes, he'd be delighted. Now, flash forward a minute or so. <laughs> Diane and the girls have left. Yep. We're in Ron's office. Ron <laughs> is behind his desk. He is sitting there pounding he is a chugging. glass of Lagavulin. Yes. Puts the glass down. Pours himself another. another. I, I don't know if he's going to survive a second day. I don't know. The first day was pretty interesting, though. I'll it's, say that. It's brutal. And he's got a brand new pair of red shoes. Well, there, <laughs> there is that. I wonder if he keeps a diary. I, I don't know. Yeah. They're like Ronald McDonald shoes pretty much there. <laughs> <laughs> well, back at the commission meeting, things are apparently going well, and there are plenty of snacks, thankfully. And Leslie and April have been allowed to stay and participate in the meeting and learned that the sanitation department is apparently the biggest offender of this gender imbalance. They, yeah, they certainly are. So Leslie ignores more senile ramblings from Councilman Milton because <laughs> you gots to if you're going to push forward with the darn meeting. And she announces that, you know, let's get down to business. Female employment rate in government is abysmal. And the number one offender, as you mentioned, Alan, is the sanitation department who has zero female garbage collectors was 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 sewage joe part of the sanitation department 
Uh, I don't think so. He's part of the sewage department. How are the sewage? So the Pawnee spell different. <laughs> oh, wow. That's well, a good. Actually, that's a good point. I had never thought about it like that. I, I know that they refer to them as separate departments. Well, he kind of got kicked out because of the picks, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think Sanitation Steve is a poor replacement for Sewage Joe. I never thought about it like yeah. that. It's a downgrade, in my opinion. Well, he doesn't have mumps on his lumps or anything. No, but, he does but, not. But yikes and stuff. So <laughs> that actually, that's a good point. Yeah. I had considered them different apartment apartments. If we departments. get a chance to talk to Kirk Fox, we'll ask him. That's a, yeah. Yeah. So Steve Flagner, <laughs> a.k.a. We, we refer to him from this point on as Sanitation Steve. Yes. Um, he starts applauding at this, the fact that the, the number one offender is uh, sanitation. Well, they're proud. He's very proud. And before being cut off by Leslie, go, no, 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 you're just not supposed to be proud. We're, I'm, I'm telling you, look, garbage collectors, they make good wages. They have good benefits. And you guys need to hire some women. Now, Deputy Dewey, another <laughs> sanitation representative that's sitting by Sanitation Steve. I like the alliteration that yes. he is. Deputy Dewey there reasons that not many women apply, you know. And, and besides, it's a very physically demanding job, which the average woman can't handle. Uh, Leslie see, is not deterred at no. this. This is a challenge. Yeah, that's the gauntlets, what that is. Oh, <laughs> yep. Right there. Right there on the ground. Well, Mark, we cut from the city council chambers to the sanitation department parking lot and discover which women will actually have the pleasure of being the city's first female garbage collectors. Oh, we know. We know who it's going to be. <laughs> We're outside now and Leslie and April are at a garbage yeah. truck and they are dressed up in orange sanitation garb, ready to try their hand at garbage collection. There was actually a deleted scene where she basically just comes right at him and says, we're doing it. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, they left us with a little suspense here in the, you know, the, the actual edit. But, and then she know. fails to toss the paper in the trash can, which kind of takes some over of the steam out of her over, argument. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Chris and Shauna Mulway Tweep are also present at this did point. Did you just tweep? I didn't mean to, but yeah, I certainly did to document <laughs> the uh, the uh, occasion. Now, in typical Leslie style, Alan, she has created binders of to course. organize garbage collection notes. In non-typical April style, she seems uncharacteristically excited about this and she can't wait to get going and gets into some garbage. So at this point, they both hop on the truck and the truck gets rolling and they are on their way to, as April puts it, feed the beast. <laughs> well, in her dialogue there, she reveals maybe a little bit of why she's excited. She's really hoping for body parts, specifically a head if possible. Yeah, she asked Deputy Dewey, you ever found yeah. a dead body, body yeah. parts, torso, torso? a head? Yeah. Please say head. Please say yes. <laughs> well, Alan, you know, it occurs to me, I know sometimes we try to keep track of, of like the days as they occur in the in the script. Yeah. I think that this scene where, where Leslie and April are now on the garbage truck, I yeah. think we've now officially started day two. Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. All the setup, you know, who's going to be the garbage people? It's. Leslie and April. Right, yeah, right, we're, right. We're starting off day two. And and Mark, as we as we continue on in day two, it turns out Leslie's not the only one desperate to prove her value here. And in this next mm. scene, we're going to see uh, who else might want to be able to do that. Well, in the hallways of City Hall, at the Hall of Justice. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> we, we see Ron wandering around until he finally 
bumbles his way into Anne's office. Apparently, he couldn't uh, remember where Anne's office was or Anne's last name. Is Hanson, right? You look like a Hanson. So anyway, Ron tells Hans, Ron tells Anne that he has the girls again on this second day, and they're asking to play with her. Mm. Now, Anne tells Ron her suspicions, which is that. <laughs> The girls don't really like her, but he is tired and desperate and will take any help he can get, which Ron does not deny, but still begs uh, Anne to help him. He's a Alan. He's apparently out of activities and the girls are now playing with his um, landmine. His landmine. (laughs) That's not a great thing. (laughs) What are these things? This is cool. Like Fisher Price doesn't make a landmine. They do not. Do do they make a landmine? Maybe. Depends on what country you're from. I I need to get on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from there, Mark, we join April and Leslie on route. And we're in the car with Chris and Shauna. And they get a little time to catch up as we see how the ladies are going to do on the garbage route. That's right. That's right. We we see Leslie and April are riding on the back of the garbage truck, making stops for garbage, as you might expect they would. And Chris and Shauna, as you mentioned, uh, the tweep there, are following them in Chris's car, and Chris is uh, making small talk with Shauna, a little word association. He's, I think he's trying to indirectly pick her brain regarding how she would label their yeah. relationship. He wants to know where he stands with her, basically. Unfortunately, to, yeah. no, to no avail. No, she's not. At their next stop, Chris tells Sanitation Steve that, you know, according to Leslie's binder, she and April are making even better time than the guys do in oh, a normal boy. day. Sanitation Steve refuses to comment. It sounds like they're doing pretty good so far, Alan. So far, so good. Yeah. I'm sure Steve's going to take it fine. Oh. He's not going to go petty. No, he has no ego. (laughs) Well, from there, Mark, we bounce over to Pawnee Central High School Gymnasium. I've decided that's where this location is, by the way. Then I've decided you're right. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we check in with Ben and Tom and Andy, and we're going to see how they're doing on their basketball lessons. That's right. We see uh, Tom, Ben, and Andy at Pawnee High School Gymnasium, and they are dressed to play basketball. Let's just say that. Uh, That's probably true, I guess. Uh, Andy is guarding Tom with Ben kind of standing to the side, kind of coaching him, trying to get him some basics. So this scene is highly, highly visual. I would have loved for us to have played this, but there's so much that's visual. So in a nutshell, they try to do the following things with Tom. A, getting him to slowly dribble the ball, which he barely does. B, shooting the ball which he fails horribly at C doing a layup, which he fails more horribly at <laughs> D catching a pass, which r- results in him dropping his phone and breaking his screen. My screen. We see Ben <laughs> mugged to the camera at the end of this, clearly getting a bit frustrated more than a little. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, and there's some interesting deleted scenes here too, where I think not only is Tom bad at basketball, but, his teachers aren't that great themselves, it turns out. No. Which nah. is pretty funny, but I, th- I guess I see why they cut it. Yeah. Yeah. Puts the focus on Tom appropriately. Right. Yeah. Well, back at City Hall, Anne is doing her best now. And we'll see how, check in with her and see how she's doing with the girls. Yeah. We, we see they're, they're now. I almost thought this was Ron's office. This is a conference room. Yeah. I think that now. we saw the, the mural in the background. So That's right. Yeah. So Anne is in the conference room with Zoe and Ivy, and she's... 
Um, she's telling them a story with Ron kind of standing off to one side. Alan, you know how sometimes like around Halloween <laughs> and you're all outside and you're sitting around the fire and sure, someone, sure. You, someone's got a flashlight yeah. and they're holding it under their face because they want to be all creepy and stuff. And they're telling some spooky yeah. ghost story or something equally as scary. That's that's kind of what's happening here. <laughs> hey, Constantine, do it to it, my dude. But uh, just or something. Just hit the button. But it was actually a blood hungry witch who was wearing their mom's face like a mask. Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with you, woman? <laughs> Sorry, I thought kids liked ghost stories. Hey, girls, do you want to look through my nurse kit? Yeah. Ooh, Ooh check it out, bandages. We can wrap up the dolls and pretend they just had surgery. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Or we can use this hammer and test reflexes. Yeah. Here, Zoe, watch. <laughs> do we, do we? <laughs> do Princess Junebug now. Okay. You know what, Ron? I can watch him for a little while if you want to. <laughs> He's gone. Take a break. <laughs> he oh, he is great. so. You almost see, like in the old Looney Tunes cartoons, a Ron shaped hole in the wall oh as he God. is so eager, like, oh, and you got this? He is gone. He's all the way to his office and closing the door when she looks up. Yeah. Back on the garbage route, April finds an unexpected perk of garbage life, and Sanitation Steve throws a wrench in the works. We now continue with Leslie and April's excellent garbage adventure already in progress. Starring Keanu Trash Reeves. No resemblance. No. We, we first have a short talking head from April, where apparently she's found the house of her old high school nemesis, Stacy Knobloch. And going through her garbage, April is delighted to find out that not only does Stacy dye her hair, oh boy. but apparently she has to use prescription strength deodorant. <laughs> April is so happy at this, she is almost crying. Anyway, so we next see Sanitation Steve come up to Leslie and April at their next stop to tell them that someone just called in a pickup and they're going to have to make an unscheduled stop. Hope you can handle it. It's not in the binders. But you know what? To her credit, Leslie doesn't flinch. Nope. And she and April jump back on the garbage truck, ready to do whatever needs doing. Leslie says, come on, we got some stereotypes to overcome. <laughs> April goes, and some privacy to violate. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Wait, no. So they each have their own motivation. Well, you know, you need that. It, hey, whatever works. You need that in life. Yeah. Well, back at the gym, it looks like Tom might finally be turning into a baller and decides to prove it by applying his newfound skills against some, you know, small children. Well, what else? Yeah. Back at the at the Pawnee High School Gymnasium, we see Tom right next to the basket, and he finally ultimately manages to he manages to kind of awkwardly sort of bank it off the backboard so that the ball <laughs> kind of limps its way through the hoop. Uh, Tom is ecstatic yeah. at this. And as a result, becomes way too confident in his mad basketball skills, opting to challenge three kids that look like they're like roughly Tom's size yeah. to a game with the three of them. The kids agree and proceed to humiliate all three of them, like dribbling around them like they're not even there, uh, passing to each other flawlessly, making basket after basket. One of the kids eventually recognizes Tom yeah. as the owner of Rent-A-Swag. And when Tom confirms, like, yeah, that's me, he said, dude, you suck at basketball. <laughs> so then the kids tell them, hey, this has been fun and everything, but we have an actual game tomorrow against guys who can actually play. Oh. So, you know, see you, suck down. So the kids watch the guys leave feeling rather dejected. Uh, Andy has that little last minute dunk there that also doesn't go so well. 
Andy, did you notice? I love this. Andy is the only one I think who scored a basket and he just like mows into all of them, just like oh, bat yeah. beating them aside, like yeah. like physically battering them out of the way. He also doesn't care that they're children. Oh, no, no, it's, it's game on. <laughs> they're kind of rude, though, so I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first timer overconfidence seems to be a running theme here. And just like Tom, Anne might be hanging up her victory banner just a little bit too soon as well. Yeah, mission not accomplished yet. Yeah. Uh, we, so we're back in the conference room and we see Anne at first continuing to play doctor with the girls with her nurse's kid. And we have a short talking head from Anne where she tells us that, you know what, this is the most fun she's ever had with kids. And she's at this point clearly confident and maybe even a bit smug about yeah. her uh, success she with got them. This. However, the talking head is cut short when we see Ron run in tell Anne they have a problem and drag her away physically. And we next see Ron with Anne in tow trying to open the door to the conference room, which is now apparently locked from the inside. Ron tells them to open the door, but the girls refuse, claiming they are doing surgery on the dolls and only doctors are allowed in there. In typical Swanson fashion, <laughs> Ron picks up a printer. Yeah. <laughs> and runs at the door ready to break it down. But Anne says, no, are you nuts? That's dangerous. Uh, like, it'd be a lot better to have keys. Sure. And then Jer keys. Jerry's walking by and says, I have keys. I probably have keys to the room. And so, you know, that's good. But unfortunately, he pulls out a huge ring of keys, which will take maybe eight days to go through key by key, which is uh, unfortunate as Zoe and Ivy have taken this opportunity to start Cutting each other's hair. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So the nurse's bag had a nice pair of scissors, in other words. But the hair was infected. <laughs> you, That's you, true. You, you got to cut that off. No, you can't just leave it I there. I mean, that, that'd be stupid. No. That, that. That's the smart play. <laughs> it sure is. Wow. Can't argue that. Well, at the unscheduled stop, Leslie and April finally see what sanitation Steve has up his sleeve. And uh, yeah, he, he's, he's out for vengeance, clearly. Well... I, I, I think I think that that might be true. Um, we see uh, at this unscheduled stop, um, we see Leslie, April, Chris and Shauna Malway tweep. Uh, and I think uh, the sanitation Steve and Deputy Dewey are also there and they're standing uh, behind a bakery and Dewey is standing by an absolutely gigantic industrial multi-door refrigeration unit. Yeah, I want to see these guys move it to where it is now. Hey, Constantine, do the honor, sir. Play that clip. Bakery called this in. Needs to go on that truck right there. Ah, easy breezy beautiful. That's the cover girl slogan. I didn't mean to say that. Okay, here we go. On three. Okay, one, two, three, move it. On four, five, six, here we go. You need a hand? No, 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 we don't need a hand. You think Joan of Arc? Needed a hand? Doing what? Let me tell you something. <laughs> we are not leaving until this symbolic feminist obstacle is loaded onto that truck of women's advancement. And oh you Lord. can put that on the record, Shauna. Well, you ladies clearly have everything in hand. Dewey and I are going to head back to base. Hope we didn't throw you off schedule. Not at all. Have fun. Hey, Shauna, maybe, maybe not put this part on the record. You know, leave the earlier part on the record. But if, if we can't get this fridge onto the truck, then maybe not put that on the record and then just destroy the record altogether. <laughs> OK, guys, I'm going to go ahead and decide what's on and off the record on my own. Cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. The whole city is watching. If I can't move that fridge onto that truck, then feminism is over in this town. Get it. Ah! Yeah. 
sneaky gump on it would work. <laughs> I have so tried that. I, it does not help. Never not helps. Not a bit. Yeah. That and I think she's maybe going to push it the wrong way if it does move, but I think that's the least of her problems. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back at City Hall, the good news is that hair grows back, Mark, and the bad news is that it likely won't grow back before Diane shows up. But that's not even the worst thing that happens in this next scene. Yeah. Well, depending on 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 whose opinion you're asking. So, yeah, we're, we're back at the locked conference room where, you know, they're doing surgery on the dolls because they're doctors. Um, and we see Jerry continuing to go through the huge ring of keys, trying to find the right one to unlock the door. He finally does. And they all go in and, you know, Anne puts her medical tools back in her nurse's kit and takes her kit. Ron is frantic, insisting, Anne, you got to fix this and tries to calm Ron down, saying, look, it's not that bad. Nobody got hurt. And Ron replies, it's extremely bad. I love this woman and I just want to show her that I'm capable of watching her children without something horrible happening. What? Did you just say you love Diane? We see a goofy <laughs> grin start to spread across Anne's face. Oh, and boy. all of a sudden, Anne turns into a nine-year-old girl asking Ron, did you just say you love Diane? Ron then turns into a nine-year-old boy saying, no, I did not. The rest of the scene devolves. For God's sakes, Hanson, focus on the larger problem. <laughs> love that. The rest of the scene devolves into Zoe, Ivy, and Anne oh, yeah. chanting, Ron loves mommy. Ron loves mommy. To which Ron yells, I love nothing. And he storms out of the conference room. <laughs> that was going to be my other AKA. Oh, my way. God. So I bad. love nothing. <laughs> you know what? My favorite thing. That whole scene is terrific. Yes. The thing that happens at the very end is one of the best. And that's Jerry's giggle. <laughs> it's Ron giggle. I know. Coming out of Jerry's face. I know. I love it. It's almost like Jerry is sitting on Ron's lap and he's got his hand. It, it, <laughs> it, look, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter. yeah, yeah, I think you're that right. That visual will never no, leave no, 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 my no, head just, now. Please, but, just yeah, delete that, that, that comment. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, back at the refrigerator, uh, refrigerator gate, I guess we'll call it. I don't know. Sure. Yeah, why not? Leslie finally catches on to the trick and uh, Chris is doing his best to figure out Shauna. Yeah, it's a that's a that's a tough t both tough tasks. Yeah, yeah they're not going to go. So, well. yeah, we return to Leslie, April, Chris and Shauna Mulway Tweep still behind the bakery, still by the huge industrial fridge, which clearly hasn't moved an inch since we last saw it. And we witness a short conversation between Shauna and Chris, where Chris asks Shauna to keep his involvement off the record due to their relationship, which he is still unsure how to label. Shauna tells Chris that he doesn't have to worry, that she's going to include a disclaimer in the article describing the nature of their relationship. Chris is intrigued at this and then realizes that he'll have to wait for tomorrow's paper to find out exactly, you know, what Shauna thinks their relationship uh, is. Um, meanwhile, uh, switching back to Leslie and April, we see them sitting on plastic crates by the fridge and Leslie is starting to despair. If they can't load the fridge on the truck, then Steve and Dewey and the other yahoos from the sanitation department are going to use this as a reason not to hire women. Well, we then see an older man from the bakery walk up to them, asking if they're if they are there to move the fridge. And when they admit that, well, yeah, they are. The man scoffs at this, telling them that, look, three days ago, these huge garbage men, uh, much larger than you guys are, it came by and they couldn't even lift it. Wow. So why did they think that they could? And so, and so the man walks off and Leslie realizes this was all a setup. Totally disgusted and defeated, Leslie tells April's, you know what, we can just we can go ahead and leave. 
And April, however, stops Leslie, telling them those guys suck and they have to prove them wrong. They have to win. So Leslie stops. She thinks for a second and then walks over to that older man who came over before and asks him, does the fridge still work? And the man confirms that, yes, it does. They just got a new one and they don't need this one anymore. At this, you see the light bulb. Leslie starts coming up with an idea. It kind of like went bing yep, yep. right over her head. Didn't yep. it? Yeah, I love it. Well, back at City Hall, Tom is not happy with the results of the effort so far, and Andy and Ben do their best to console him. Yeah, we're back at City Hall, and we see Tom in his office with Andy and Ben, and Tom is rather dejected at their humiliating defeat, and the guys are attempting to make him feel better. So to this end, Ben brings up a basketball-related video on Tom's laptop, and it's a post-game conference with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook after a bad loss. They're all kind of dressed up for the event, and they're talking to the to the people there. And Ben points out to Tom, even the greats get beat, but they get back out there the next day and they keep trying. Well, Tom ends up missing the point that Ben was trying to make, but the video does help him to dribble up an idea, even double dribble it, and he's, <laughs> we see him excitedly leave the room. He's learned nothing about that. He's learned nothing. Clearly. Andy, hey, can I borrow $1,500 and you're not allowed to ask why? Awkward silence. <laughs> Fireworks. <laughs> hey, Andy. Uh, sweet, stupid Andy. Well, meanwhile, over in Ron's office, we get a chance to see Diane's reaction to Scissorgate. And we get to witness a sweet milestone in their relationship. Yeah, we're back at City Hall and we now see Diane walking down the hallway towards Ron's office. Dun, dun, dun. Before she gets there, Ron intercepts her to warn her. Everyone's fine. No one got hurt. Dot, dot, dot. But there was an incident. So Diane gets a bit nervous, wondering what she's about to see. Yep. Ron opens the door to his office. Diane sees Zoe and Ivy with their hair semi cut and chopped off and starts laughing. <laughs> Ron is amazed that she isn't mad, but Diane tells him, look, they're kids. These things happen. They're okay. Well, and once Zoe put Ivy in the dryer, so there's that. <laughs> See, seeing how upset Ron is and how much he didn't want to let her down, Diane is touched and tells Ron that's why she loves him. Ron is silent and shuffling his feet for a few seconds before saying, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Diane and the kids take off, but not before Zoe and Ivy give Anne a big hug and oh. Anne mugs to the camera, clearly touched by the gesture. Yep. Yep. She had her success. Yep. I like how all three storylines kind of did their little, you know, open the day and now all three storylines kind of close the day. I so, have a comment on that well, later. Well oh, good. Yep. I'm anxious to hear it. So, well, Mark, we're back at the bakery at the beginning of the next day and Chris finally gets the official rundown in his relationship status. And Leslie has a plan to outsmart Sanitation Steve and his minion. <laughs> that is correct. We're back with Leslie, April and Chris still behind the bakery, still with the humongo industrial fridge unit. And there are some other people there now as well. Constantine, do the honor, sir. Play this one last clip. Thank you. Hey, Leslie, Shauna just sent me the disclaimer that she's going to use before she prints the article. City manager Chris Traeger was present for this event and has a personal relationship with the author. Okay, that's pretty good, right? Personal relationship is not romantic. But it is descriptive. No, it's not even descriptive. I know you're not used to this, but maybe you should just try to keep it chill and see what happens. Great advice. Yep. Impossible to follow. Yep. But great advice. Yep. So, 
Do you think the soup kitchen could use that fridge? I mean, April and I were gonna haul it onto the truck effortlessly, but if you need it. Absolutely, this is a godsend. Thank you for thinking of us. Grab a side, ladies. I think all of us can get it on the truck. Not only did we complete the garbage route and move an unmovable fridge, but the sanitation department hired three new female trash haulers. Yay. And best of all, April gave me this present to commemorate our feminist victory. <laughs> and it's trash. It's filled with trash. <laughs> Maybe there's something on the bottom here. Let me see. No, just trash. No, just trash. <laughs> hey, it's apropos. A gift is a gift. It is. Yep. And a gift from April is, you know, well, a gift. It's a rarity. April. Yeah, it is a rarity. That's a good point. Well, Mark, finally in the kicker, we see the results of Tom's big idea. And it turns out that he is something of a baller after all. We are, we are, are at a, a, a gym. Maybe this is, again, Pawnee High School gym. I'm not exactly sure. But we're at a gym of, of some sort um, where it looks like a sort of uh, after-game uh, news segment appears to be recording for Pawnee Kids 46 News. A short boy, Brandon Turnbill, is, because why not, is holding a microphone <laughs> and asks... Well, Turnbill. Turnbill Mansion. Oh. He's a legacy. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, I just have to pause for a second because my <laughs> mind has exploded and is on the table right now. That's brilliant. I, I didn't it. I didn't catch it's, it. It's such a small thing, but it's there. I, I didn't it. catch it. This yeah. is why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Brandon Turnbill, the legacy, is holding a microphone and asks the star of today's win, Josh Diamond, what the key was to victory. Josh, who, by the way, was the kid that told Tom that he sucks at basketball uh, in an earlier scene. Yeah. He responds with, you know, some nice generic but nice sounding sound bites and finishes by saying that they hope to keep their momentum next week against snarling. All of a sudden, Tom jumps into view out of nowhere. Thanks, tiny reporter. It was a huge win for Josh and the boys. And after a huge win, be sure to visit Rent-A-Swag on Durham Avenue for all your post-game press conference fashion rental needs. We've got everything. And then he starts uh, pointing to the players and what they're wearing. Yep. Dope suits, pocket squares, gingham shirts, glasses with no lenses, tiny cardigans, fedoras. Look at this watch. Whatever swag you need, you can rent at Rent-A-Swag. Now that's basketball. And Tom gets high fives from one of the kids. Fade to black. Fade to black. Not a bad idea. No, it's actually a brilliant idea. Yeah. I love the inspiration too, watching the NBA post game piece. Yes. That's, if you watch those at all, those guys are always dressed to the T's. Oh, yeah. So it's it's brilliant. Yes, it is. Well done. Well done. Well, nice job on the breakdown, Mark. Hey, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll get our notes together and we'll come back and finish this thing up. Good idea. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Do you have children? From time to time, do you require someone to watch them? Are you a fan of the medical industry or at least fans of your children being distracted so that you can take a breath in silence? If so, I may have just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Here at the Swanson cabin, geolocation undisclosed, Diane and I make use of a daycare service we have come to trust. After all, we do both work, if you can indeed call my job work, and although we love Zoe and Ivy dearly, Diane and I do occasionally try to have a night out without the kids. On these occasions, we turn to what has become our regular go-to for such things, Hanson's Daycare. You're kidding. 
you prove. Huh. She looks more like a Hanson. <clears throat> uh, yes, like I said, our go-to is Perkins Daycare. Anne does it all. She is a responsible adult that we trust with our kids. She is desperate to get the approval of both us and our kids. And she brings lots of neat-looking medical gear for the kids to play with. Who knows, perhaps they will grow up to become doctors. And in the meantime, Diane and I at least get some alone time, and the kids get the occasional choppy haircut thrown in for free. Usually when Anne is busy getting snacks and the girls have locked themselves in their bedroom. She's hardworking, affordable, the kids love her, free haircuts, what's not to like? Once again, that's Hanson's... Uh, Perkins Daycare. Tell her Ron sent you and get a 10% discount off of your next ticket to go see Coldplay. I don't know what a Coldplay is, but apparently people like it. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. Alright everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, hey, uh, real quick, I'll go through deleted scenes as we usually do right after the break. We had about four minutes and 54 seconds worth of uh, scenes. I think about roughly 10 clips is about what I clocked here. And mm -hmm. Generally, they were pretty funny, uh, but nothing like that we really had to have. So there was there was one that I really, really liked, and it had to do with our C story. And it's where Ben was trying yes. to begin to teach Tom by drawing the on a whiteboard. Yep. And, and that was funny enough. But then in typical Chris Pratt style, he starts to do this monologue, crazy. which he had to have improvised at least some of where like he's a basketball star and ankles are breaking. And then and then the, <laughs> the, 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 the defenders are Russian spies and the basketball is a bomb. And I, it, it. I mean, it's like there's a whole plot. Mark, I know the scene you're talking about. And um, I actually had Constantine tee this one up for us. Oh, nice. Thank you, sir. Okay, so the three main statistical categories are assists, points, and rebounds. Nerd. I'm helping you. <laughs> right. Sorry. Force the habit. Force the habit. Okay, for now, we're just going to focus on offense. Yeah, good, because defense is boring anyways. Uh, tell that to the 2004 Pistons. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> mm, see, that's good sports banner. If I could talk like that, I could rent the crap out of some tearaway warm-up suits. This is called a pick and roll. Guard has the ball. Center, steps up, blocks a defender, heads back to the basket, pass, layup. Tom? And Tom's asleep. <laughs> mm. I was listening, that was funny. So how about this play? Check out this play. Dwyer gets the ball in the wing, right here. Boom, juke one guy, boom, juke two guys. Defender <laughs> breaks his ankle. That's what happens when you try to guard Dwyer. Dwyer, ga ga crossover, 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 but the ball is a bomb. <laughs> and all the referees are Russian spies, Brilliant. mind you. What do I do? Cross left, cross left, quadruple defense, no time, F that! Andy from the free throw line! I wake up in my bed. It was all a dream. Or, or was it? it? <laughs> he throws the marker at him. <laughs> Maybe we should get you on a court. Oh, hell yeah, let's ball. Is that where baller comes from? You guys are blowing my mind. Um, actually, it <laughs> derives from Shakespeare in reference to juggling. Oh, actually, nerd. That one was fair. <laughs> yeah, that one was fair. Interesting, but fair. I mean, it's pretty funny. Yeah. I think it would, you know, again. If I had to pick one, it would be that It would scene. be that one. It's like well over a minute. And of course, when they're editing, you know, for, you know, stupid amount of time, like these things are, 
Something's got to go. Plus, of all three stories, I think the C story was by far the shortest from a scene time perspective. That is true. It would have been weird to give that much more time to that story. That's that's very true. Good point. Yeah. And like I said, the rest of the scenes are there. If you have the DVDs, check them out. They're worth a watch. But that, oh, was, sure. that was by far the winner. Yep. Yep. Mark, how about tropes first, fun facts, goofs, all that great stuff? Uh, I know I had a little bit of everything, I think, except goofs this week. How about you? How about that stuff? Well, I had... <laughs> Two first. Okay. Um, and I realized that one was now a lie. Um, because I, I, I the one I think I can I can count on is that Ron and Diane tell each other I love you. Yep, got that. Well, the one I had that is now just a I'm a lying liar is I said we're introduced to the Pawnee Sanitation Department, and that is before you blew my mind I'm and so made sorry. me realize that it it's probably the same as I what we referred to as the sewage department. Yeah. I mean, they formalized it here, obviously, because it was more than one character. But yeah, I think it's the same thing. I and you know what? I actually did a little bit of research. So and technically, and it's a trope. Sanitation. Yeah, you're right. Sanitation. Steve, I think as a character is a one and done. Ah. Um. So that's too bad because I liked him in that. It was, he was pretty good. Um. Anyway, that's all the first I had. How about you? I said it's the first time that Ben is cooler than Tom. And it's arguable, I suppose. But if you think about it, like... Make a case. Well, Ben actually understands the game of basketball to the degree that, one, he can play a little bit and he can certainly teach it on a whiteboard. Tom has no idea how to play basketball. And I'd say by most accounts, if you know sports, you're cooler than if you don't. Um, I don't personally agree, but sporty people do. Look, as Sporty as, Spice said so. As someone who has personally done basketball before. <laughs> did you do basketball? I did the crap out of basketball. You have a basketball hat on today. Is that it's what a that baseball is? cap, but there's a basketball thing on it. It's a P. I don't know what that stands for. <laughs> Something about the Pacers. I don't know. So, I actually went to a Pacers game. A hockey team? We had a great time. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Anyway. So they beat the Clippers. It was awesome. I don't know what that is either. So I agree with you that sports people like me are way cooler. Um, so yes, yeah, you, you, you have a point. What what other first did you have? That's it. Oh, good one. Actually, I said it's the first time that we hear Ron love anything more than food. <laughs> I love nothing. I love nothing. <laughs> How about tropes, Mark? What'd you get this week? I had quite a few. Um, so first of all, nice mugging. P- nice PBJ moments. Oh, yeah. No. No. <laughs> and and other things. Like, why is so your good. ring of keys? Why do you have so many keys? Yeah. <laughs> um, mugging to the camera. I clocked Whew. Ben and Chris, and I may have missed some others, but I know for a fact those three did. For certain. Um, I think Leslie actually did it this week, too, if I'm not mistaken. She she may have. Yeah. I may have missed yeah. that. I had Alk, A-A-L-K, which I stand, which I says is a. Uh, Anne is awkward, the little kids, uh, which I think we've seen this a few times before, we, like on Pawnee Rangers. Yeah, she like she either treats them yeah. like infants yeah. or asks them if they like cold play. Like there's no in between. It's a small nitpick, but it was the Pawnee goddesses. But yes, you're right. Well, Pawnee Rangers was the name of the episode. Oh, see. So you're technically right as well. Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, so the, the continuing on, uh, fun with names. Oh, my gosh. Paula Hork. Hork. Steve. Knobloch. Steve Flegner. Yeah. Uh, Stacy Knobloch. Yeah. Brandon Turnbill. Uh, Deputy Dewey. I don't know what Dewey's real name is, but it's, it doesn't it's, matter. it's funny. It's alliterative. That's right. Um, RLL. Ron loves Lagavulin, even yeah. when soothing his nerves after a stressful oh day of babysitting. Um <laughs> Ruin, R-U-W-N, 
Ron uses wrong names, specifically to keep people from getting too chummy. Ugh, uh, Stevens. Because he's done that before, yeah, hasn't he? he? Uh, yes, he has. Hanson, Hanson, sorry. Yeah, come on, Hanson, get with it. Um, <laughs> actually, in this case, I think he actually really did forget her last. You know, as I typically do, Alan, uh, I put sweet, stupid Andy and said, Alan will bail me out. Yeah. I actually figured out, I think he was a legitimate oh. sweet, stupid Andy, but I also clocked a subcategory that I've, I've heard yeah. you do before. Uh, Andy's a big kid. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like specifically bag of Skittles. Yeah. Right in his mouth. Yeah. Um, I love that. And, and really the basketball. I mean, all of it. So. Oh, yeah. Um, T. Tagu, TGU, Tom is a grown up. So he's continuing to act. I would I would argue semi maturely like he's thinking about his business and his future. And he's not just like pimping Tom. He's kind of thinking about it in a rational manner. Yeah. You know, um, and then one more. Um, come from CMRM, Councilman Milton. Is a racist misogynist because <laughs> he's like a thousand. But I mean, I think that counts. Yeah, it does count. That's sure. it. How about you? I think you covered them all, Mark. I don't think I had any additional ones. Yeah. Nice. I mean, yeah. Um, I didn't. Ha- I'd not clock any goofs, and I, I really just had one fun fact. How about you? I, I did not have any goofs uh, either. Um, I uh, found two fun facts, and you want you go first. Uh, we may have found the same ones. Yeah. I think uh, that uh, Stacy Knobloch, her last name actually means garlic. Yeah, which in German. Is maybe why she uh, in German, which is why she needs that prescription strength deodorant. Brilliant, loved it. Yeah, I mean, so if that's if like that's a joke inside of a joke. Yeah, it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, that yeah. is good stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the one I had besides that was pretty, it's pretty small, but when, when Chris and Shauna are discussing their relationship, it looks like they're sitting on the edge of the quote, smallest park, which is the spot, of course, where Leslie and Ben reconciled introduced in season four, episode eight, smallest park. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Almost a trope, if you will. Yeah. Certainly a location trope. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. Well, Hey Mark, why don't we get into our scores then? Why don't we get into those scores? Well, here we go. Put on your helmet. Don't get stuck. All right. So my Alan, uh, I had co-MVPs for this episode, and mine are Rashida Jones as Ann Perkins and Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. This was a little bit of a tough one. But so, first of all, I'm a self-proclaimed Swanson fanboy. I think we all know this. That's no, that's no secret. So I'm going to keep myself from waxing lyrical here, but I will say... Ron was a full-on goofball in this episode, but he was a sweet one. I mean, he was a little awkward, and he had many, many, many funny Swanson moments during all this, which I'll get to later. Ron really helped make the B story pop for me. But what also helped was my other co-MVP, Rashida Jones as Ann Perkins. Now, I wouldn't say that Ann was like the most uh, commanding or important uh, character on this episode necessarily, but I decided to give her the nod due to how much she managed to rise above what has been in the past. Like, let's let's say her baseline, you know, because once again, this is not a knock on Rashida Jones, who is very talented and she can be very, very funny. But a lot of times Ann is relegated to the uh, to the background and, and she acts as we've said, like Leslie's moral compass or the gang's plot Sherpa yep. and, and is usually the straight man or straight woman, I guess. And as a result, often doesn't get a lot of the funny scenes or dialogues or moments. But here, though, I thought that the writing for Rashida Jones was very good. And, and Rashida agree. Jones as Ann Perkins was very effective and very funny, not only with her dialogue, but a delivery, but like her facial expressions and her body language and her overall awkwardness. I just thought it was really well done. It was well done. Yeah. Um, 
we had a, a pretty decent list of uh, guest stars. We had, of course, uh, Lucy Lawless as Diane Lewis. Um, uh, as always, Allison Becker as the Tweep, who we've had in, in uh, I think, every single season so far, if I'm not mistaken. Um, James Green as the very funny Councilman Milton, as I think he was just on fire. Um, Bonnie Bartlett as uh, Pawnee's very first Councilwoman, Paula Hork. Uh, Michael Patrick McGill as Sanitation Steve. And Kiff Vandelhuvel which I almost thought was fun with names, but that's actually his real name. Right. Um, uh, as Deputy Dewey. Um, who, and I thought Sanitation Steve and Deputy Dewey, they both made de- yeah. decent minor Leslie yeah. antagonists, yeah. I guess. You know, yeah. they, they did a fine job. They're not quite at the top of the villain squad. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. They're, they're no Jeremy Jam. Yeah, correct. Um, but then again, who is? Um, th- there was a long list of very, very funny moments and or jokes, I thought, throughout the the uh, episode, such as, for example, uh, April's whole spiel telling Paula Hork in front of all the other women that she thinks men are better than women and they need to obey their masters and walk behind them. And oh, my God, that was so funny. Um, Andy dumping the entire bag of Skittles in his mouth. Zoe and Ivy immediately shutting down Jerry when he comes into Ron's office. No. Um <laughs> Ron. Oh, my God. Ron telling Anne she looks like a Hanson. Ron having a callback moment and calling her Hanson later on in the uh, episode. Yep. Ron screaming, I love nothing, and storming out and Jerry's silly little giggle as he leaves. Ron pounding glass after glass of Lagavulin at the end of the day one babysitting. Ron picking up the printer and preparing to break down the conference room. And I'm sure I've missed many, many others. Um while not a necessary component for the haha, and you mentioned this earlier, mm-hmm. I think it's nice from a plot perspective when the stories can all have nice, in my opinion, nice, believable resolutions. You have the A story where Leslie and April managed to succeed where the men failed, resulting in women getting hired for the first time by the sanitation department as garbage collectors. For the B story, Ron getting through two days of babysitting Zoe and Ivy and getting to step up and really help, finding some way to not be awkward with the kids. And of course, Ron and Diane saying, I love you to each other. And with the C story, Tom figuring out in a non-pimpin' Tom way to pull some measure of success out of the seeming failure and humiliation that they endured. I also, just an observation here. I felt like in this episode, Leslie and Amy Poehler always does a fantastic job, but I felt like Leslie in this episode, she was much more of a straight man or straight woman than the source of the ha-has. And this isn't a true. bad thing necessarily. No. And I don't mean it as a nitpick, just an observation. Um, a, a few f- very small nitpicks. There was nothing horrible, but just to comment on them. I didn't think it was a bad use of their deep comedic bench, but I didn't think it was the best either. I thought Jerry had a few scenes, which is great. I wish there was a little bit more Donna. I, I kind of missed her. Um, in my opinion, you know, we I'd, we had said at the very beginning of this uh, episode, Ellen, that there was a little half story, like I called it three yeah. and a half stories. Yeah. Well, the half story, in my opinion, was the little thing where Chris was trying to figure out his relationship with Sean yeah, and the label that. and everything. Yeah. I didn't give it its own story, by the way, because I looked through all the scenes. There wasn't a single scene that was just about that. It was yeah. always paired with the garbage the collection, garbage, yeah. which is OK. Yeah, it was tethered. So it kind of relegates it to maybe a. A, 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 an ongoing gag a subplot yeah i guess yeah i just felt like it was kind of it didn't go anywhere like it wasn't horrible but to me it felt a little bit like a waste of time i don't know maybe that's just me um the only other thing i was going to mention is regarding the giant fridge this is extremely nitpicky and it didn't it almost feel like a nerd for bringing it up but regarding the giant fridge we see at the end of the episode 
the women have it on a wheeled cart and are finally able to move it. So good, good on them. But it's never really explained how they're able to lift up this thing and get it on the wheeled cart, which I think was the key to eventually moving this monstrosity. Yeah, wheels you know? were helpful, yeah. It, it's not a huge deal, but just I just thought it was interesting it's to know. magic, Mark. I'll buy that. You know what? <clears throat> All right. So let's let's go into the crazy, crazy Mark rubric. Here we go. I'm going to give this sucker a four base score. Uh, I, I thought that the B story was great. I, I really enjoyed Ron and Anne. I thought that they really made it pop. And the other stories were, I thought they were good, but I don't think they were great, but they were good. So I'm going to give it a four. Um, I'm going to give a half point for a great performance by episode co-MVP Rashida Jones as Ann Perkins. I'm going to give another half point for a great performance by episode co-MVP Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. I'm going to give, um, I got some, some cheater combos coming up here. Uh, I'm going to give a full point in general to the C story, uh, uh, for not only Andy's antics, but also just in general for the physical comedy that they had while they were playing basketball. I, I thought that it was very well done and I liked the way it ended and all that good stuff. I'm going to give a half a point for what I called the April Leslie combo, which is mostly due to April, April, had many, many comedic moments in this. And I almost thought about her for one of the co-MVPs. Um, it was that close. Yeah. Plus her interactions with Leslie were good because she had both funny and sincere moments. Like when she convinced Leslie not to give up, I'm going to give half a point for what I call the Leslie antagonist combo, which is the combination of San sanitation, Steve and deputy Dewey, which I already mentioned, but especially councilman Milton who OMG was on fire. Like there were at least three points, which I just, had to belly laugh at stuff he said. Very funny stuff. Um, yep. I'm going to call, and then I, I'm going to give uh, one whole point uh, kind of to, to what we talked about before, Alan, of what I call the resolution combo. For all the reasons I listed earlier, I'm not going to go over them again. So you add all those crazy mark points up and you come up with 8.0 little Sebastians. Now, however... I talked earlier about the long list of short individual funny moments and jokes. I, I think that helped to elevate how I felt coming out of the show. Mm -hmm. Like I, mm -hmm. I liked the episode despite the course the Mark rubric is perfect, but of course it is. I just decided shocker of shockers. I'm going to give an extra half point just because of how many like jokes and moments just hit for me. So I'm going to give it an extra half point. So this raises it to 8.5 little Sebastians as Mark's final score. Like, this was a good episode for sure. Maybe not their absolute best, but still extremely enjoyable, extremely memorable. Um, it may not be like the high concept slam dunk that we saw like in the, the night of the, of the thousand bachelor parties. But, <laughs> but honestly, at this point in the series, I have plenty of fun just bouncing around Pawnee. And I think that that really says something about the series in general. So anyway, that's my review. Back to you, Alan. Nice job, Mark. Rock that scuba. Rock that scuba. Yup. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I, I'd, I'd say in many ways you're right, and I'll start with the ways you're wrong. Yay! Yeah. Oh, we're gonna start no, off you, in the year. Right. Zig, I thought yeah. you were gonna zag. Yeah. yeah all, right, all right. All right. All right. Um, actually, no. In this case, I, I think um, who were your MVPs again? Uh, they were uh, uh, Rashida Jones yeah. as Ann Perkins. That's correct. And Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. Also correct. Yeah. We oh, we tied this week. 
fan. I'm I mean, so you you worried me for a second. No, no. I mean, I, I think already in pressed this the case, pause button, and, and you really hit on all the reasons why they both deserve those. Um, you know, and I think a lot of it honestly came down to good writing for them. Of course, I'd agree with that by, yeah. by the great late Harris Whittles. Of yes, course. good point. And uh, but you know. He and in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like, and I can go back and look, or let's have our interns do this, Mark. Oh, yeah, um, that's what they're there for. That's what they're there for. Yeah, one of the last, or not the last time, but a time previously where we really complimented the, an Anne storyline or Anne's use in a story. I'm not, uh, I'm not convinced it wasn't written by Harris then too, honestly. Interesting. Yeah, and I'll have to look and see because I think it. You'll what you'll see is that certain writers really kind of lean into certain characters. And I think, I think that's you're just right. natural. I think you're right. And I yeah. think there's a lot of evidence for that. And and I think Norm said something somewhat similar in his comments to me as well. Oh yeah. But not about Anne specifically, but just about, you know, their their their, you know, kind of how they gravitate to certain characters. I'd forgotten about the conversation you had with with uh, with your buddy. Yeah, and I'll hit, I'll hit a few highlights of it here yeah, in a please. second. But but I'd say overall my big comments were, you know, I felt like in this case the Leslie playing the straight person, if you will, actually helped move the storyline along in a way that the Anne character normally does. And instead, Anne got the ha-ha here and the setups with the awkwardness with the kids and all that. So I think they almost traded roles in this case, Leslie and Anne did. It was a Freaky Friday. It was a bit of a Freaky Friday. You know what? I agree with that. Yeah. 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 And I like that, actually. So, um, you know, I, I, it's not a 10.0 episode. It's not. And I think part of me also realized that dichotomy we've talked about in the past of structural technical scoring versus how I feel about the episode. Mm-hmm. And I also gave it eight and a half, mostly based on how I feel. I think if I were going to score it structurally, it'd probably be an eight, despite the good writing and despite a lot of other things, I think, because I think they're just a few things out of balance. Well, you and I are in sync. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we hit it. And about for all the, the same, same reasons. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like in a lot of the ways in which they did good balancing, there was also a flaw in the balancing. I think the fact that all three storylines are roughly the same in balance means that they didn't give the right amount of time or funny to the A story, which would have helped, and I think, make it just a funnier episode overall. And when you've got Leslie kind of playing the straight man, so to speak, you're going to lose that opportunity just by de facto to have some more of those little belly laughs. I, I, I agree with you. I will say just to play a small devil's advocate, I think that April did a pretty oh, good job yeah. of of let's say picking up the slack yeah. so to well, speak she was very too, very like good oh my I god mean, and milton but that's the funniest councilman milton scenes we've ever had i agree yeah but your point is still good when it still stands yeah yeah absolutely and and like i said just a good use of the uh, i said of the guest stars here specifically councilman milton uh as well. So, right. Um, you know, for me, I, 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 like I said, I like the episode a lot. I, I feel like it's a solid eight and a half. And I think that's maybe in balance a little on the generous side when you compare it to episodes we've had recently, which were nine and a half flirting with tens. This was a mm-hmm. good episode. Nothing wrong with it. Right. Um, overall, I enjoyed it, but not one of the, the best episodes of season five for sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I want to mention a few things that uh, w- that Norm kind of uh, was able to articulate that I thought were interesting. Yeah, please. 
Uh, this is a bit of a stream of consciousness, so bear with me here, because I'm just going to go back through my notes. Because I'm actually so wrote excited about this. Yeah, I know, and I, I got to find a way to maybe put this up on our website or something, kind of share it more formally. But he said, I asked him. I said, "How did you end up coming to direct this episode? Because you you wrote so many, but you, this is your only directorial." And, and apparently, I guess as he was negotiating to come back for season five, because we know he's about to leave mm -hmm. and go help those their kids in the hall. Yeah, those that, Canadians. Yeah, we learned that in our interview with with Norm when we had him on the show. That's right. Um, but you know, he had negotiated with his agent to be able to get a directing slot because Greg had suggested that he take one and kind of get that experience. So he was up for it. Something happened behind the scenes and didn't really get communicated well that that was part of his deal. So. Mike sure didn't even know about it. And so oh but, but once he learned, he's like, yeah, let's make it happen. So he did. So apparently the, the director for this one fell through. They said, let's bring Norm in. And so Norm got the gig. So nice. that's kind of cool. Yeah, that and, is you know, cool. And, and he said if it wouldn't really for Mike, because, you know, that's an awkward spot to be in, you know, in Norm's shoes. And I think Norm's the type of guy that, you know, he wouldn't have gotten he wouldn't have gotten in their face about it. That's not his personality, you know? Yeah, it doesn't so, seem like it. So so Mike took care of him. I liked I liked hearing that. So That's nice that Mike sure had his back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, when the, when the slot opened up, you know, he said he was happy about it. He was really happy that it was a Harris script, um, you know, because he's a funny guy and great to have on set because he said he's kind of chill and a great joke writer, you mm -hmm. know? So I think that's kind of from a personality perspective meshes well with what we know about Norm. And uh, he said Dean Holland was also executive producer, um, you know, on, on this episode. So, you know, he worked closely with him and Morgan Sackett and with, with Harris directly. And that group of people, he said, is really good at, you know, kind of providing the things you need as a director, plus just kind of good a good group of people to work with in general. Sure. They've all been in these positions before and directed episodes. So everybody kind of knew what he was up against and helped him get through that. Makes sense. Because uh, he didn't, because of the way it happened, I, I guess I should have said this, he just didn't have a lot of prep time. He did not get the oh. normal amount of prep time he would have had. So... Yeah, he went on to say things like, you know, the fact that, you know, some directors like to get the jokes from from writers on the set and then take it to the cast. But because he had Harris there, Harris was kind of his intermediary with the actors. So they kind of worked those things out and then brought Norm what he needed for the show. So he oh, wasn't as directly involved in that as he might have been normally. And, uh, you know, with him being on with with. Um, with Harris actually being on set, he, you know, that was just kind of took that off his plate. So Norm could focus on directing well, the show instead. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. 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 You know, he said that the script, I told him I thought it was a fun script. He agreed with that and said he wanted to honor that. And just, he said it moved pretty fast. He said having kids on the shoot always makes it trickier. Uh, yeah. He said, like he said <laughs> that, you know, they're pretty good for short periods of time and can get bored quickly. And says, even though we shoot two cameras at once, there isn't much fuss with lighting and so on. So the kids, they're pretty good, but they get bored after two takes. <laughs> so, I would too. You know, you got to get those takes in and get them out. And, and I thought the, 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 Girls that played Ivy and um, Zoe were terrific. I mean, I agree. They're really good. So I agree. I'm not sure what they're up to these days, but um, they were great as Ron's uh, Ron's little mini foils in this episode. Sure. He went on to say, and I think this is important. I think we might have heard this once before from someone. Maybe it was Ken Whittingham. You know, he said at this point, this it's pretty a pretty well oiled machine here in season five, right? So I think it makes the, the you know cast and the crew they're professional. They know what they're doing. You know, it's not the first season. The tone, the character, the world, all those things are set. So mm -hmm. you know, 
to step in and direct an episode in that environment versus one earlier on when those things are not as well established, he said, you know, just made it easy on him. So yeah, it's, it's standing on the shoulders of the giants that came before you. Yeah, absolutely. And he went on to say, you know, Dan Gore as well, you know, had been there uh, directing his first episode. Norm was there to support him and vice versa. That happened here for him. And he said, that's just the kind of way that, that all these guys work together with each other. Very but, nice. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then he said one last bit I'll mention in that was that, you know, he thinks back on Harris and what a funny and great guy and talented he was and what a loss it is. He said that they actually would drive up. I guess they would have a preseason writers retreat every year. And it was pretty common for him and Harris to share the car ride up together. Hmm. So he got would get to spend a lot of time for, uh, with him on that drive. And they'd talk a lot about comedy and music. Harris was in a band and he played some of the stuff in the car that they were working on. So he, he just talked about, you know, that alone and, and, and these many years later, it brings up a lot of emotions for him when he watches this episode and others, and, and it brings back a lot of those thoughts. And uh, he just looks wow. on it really favorably. That's cool. Yeah. So, so Norm, thanks for sharing. Absolutely. If you hear this and if even if you don't, you know, we all want to thank Norm for his time. I mean, he's that's probably the fourth or fifth time he's written in for us and uh, just provided a little bit of behind the scenes feedback on an episode he was involved in. So we really, really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, we we had him on our show. He was nice enough to to uh, to uh, be interviewed by us. And, and just what a nice guy. Yeah. And just I mean the fact that he's willing to to reach out for us and have these sort of just short conversations with I know he's a busy guy I mean that's that's really nice yeah it was really really nice of him so well nice job today Mark um, I, I think that about does it for today's episode I know yep. we're going to be back next week with season 5 episode 12 if I'm not mistaken yeah it's uh, Anne's decision you're correct it is Anne's decision yeah, yeah nice job and yeah. then we got emergency response and so anyway we're, we'll be in the second half of season 5 here very shortly actually i think with next episode we are is that right how many episodes are there oh yeah you are yeah. correct sir yeah we are now officially in the second so half. we are in the second half of the season yep so there you wow. go yeah so pretty cool stuff how yeah. you like them apples yeah uh, that's pretty sweet sauce, sauce there, there ace there you go <laughs> all right mark we'll rock that scuba and uh, yeah. we'll see everybody next week all right bye everyone bye everyone Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Well, meanwhile, Mark, over in the city manager's office, Chris is reviewing Leslie's idea how to have an equal gender employment <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take 11. Oh my god. <laughs>